0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. We appreciate you all tuning in, and uh, we've got a pretty awesome guest today. He's a, a good buddy of ours and uh, actually the host of uh, one of the top bass fishing podcasts out there. He's a, he's a really, really, I wanted to say serious angler, but I guess you are a serious angler. That's also the name of your podcast, but he's, he's a, a really talented angler. Uh, makes his living in the fish, fishing industry. So uh, we're uh, really thankful to have uh, Bailey on. What uh, What's going on with you, man?
1: I think we're, we're, we've we gotten a label now as not serious angler anymore. They call us serious danglers. I don't know why I've, our <laughs> followers have claimed us as that. But uh, dude, I'm good. I'm uh, happy to be on here and talking with you boys and uh, catching up. Happy to talk fishing. It's been a long day of work. So I'm finally getting a time to breathe and ready to talk fishing with you guys.
0: That's cool. Well, yeah, we appreciate it, man. After, yeah, we're, we're sitting here. It's, I guess it's nine o'clock your way. So it's a little late. Uh, Rob was, and so it's six o'clock here in Arizona and uh, Rob was thankful. <laughs> I told Rob seven originally and when I changed it to six, he was thankful because seven's past his. Uh, Best
1: that time. his <laughs> I've been up since two
2: thirty AM though. So yeah. that's a long day.
0: Dude, that's it gets fair. so out here. And I guess you, you understand Bailey. Cause you drive, to a lot of your lakes in new york but it gets light so early and our lakes are not close so to, to make a 5 a.m guide trip or a 5 a.m tournament right now and with an hour and a half drive it sucks this weekend i'm fishing a tournament blast off's going to be 5 a.m and i live two hours from the lake so i'm debating oh on whether i need gosh. to stay uh stay at the lake the night before or get up it uh, it'd be probably 1 30 for that if you guys ever gotten yeah, up before be too, to fish
1: yeah, I, at that rate, I'm going there the night before, and I'm sleeping in the truck. That's probably uh, what's going to happen. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see we'll see yeah. what
0: the old lady what says it, about
2: what that. What is your safe light there in New York?
1: Uh, right now, our uh, sunrise is around five thirty.
2: Okay, so you're uh, but like then.
1: yeah, but like that period where it started, like it's becoming. You can see the light over the mountain, just not the sun just yet. Like you can get out five.
2: Yeah, same as here. Then so
1: yeah. Yep. That's cool.
0: So, Bailey, you're in upstate New York, and I know kind of the Finger Lakes region, but where exactly are you at?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in Rochester, kind of in the middle of everything, and uh, just recently this past summer, uh, moved to Buffalo with my fiancé. So now I'm all the way on the west end, you know, 10 minutes from Lake Erie, 10 minutes from the Niagara River, which is nice, but when the wind's blowing, I have to drive like two hours in another direction to find a, a body of water to go fish <laughs>
0: So that's two hours from Cayuga, Seneca, all the Finger Lakes.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a couple like smaller lakes that I can go to that are about an hour that are pretty good. But like, if I want to go hit like my home waters, that's yeah, a two hour drive back that way, which I'm not afraid to do. But uh, I just traded in the, the Nissan Altima suites that I, I rocked for a while for a new truck. Finally got a big boy purchase. So nice, Congrats. I've, been, I've been watching the miles a little bit, maybe too much, but yeah, to be expected. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, hey, you timed it great with $5 a gallon gas. Get jobs yeah, on that, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that Dude, probably that... wasn't the smart decision, but it had to be done. The car was yeah. on its way out.
0: Nice. Well, cool. congrats on that. That's cool, man. Yeah, it's it's just – it must be a lot, a lot more functional to have a truck with the way you're traveling and stuff like that now.
1: Yeah, for a multitude of reasons. I mean, it makes, you know, towing the kayak around way, way easier – uh, and I slept in the car a lot, and from sleeping in the pass- or the driver's seat to being able to make a bed in the back seat was night and day. You know, slept in it this past weekend for a tournament, and slept like a baby, and did- woke up without a sore back, so that was nice. What's your setup back there? So, like in terms of like sleeping situation? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would just like it was it was like eighty-five, ninety degrees up here in New York this past weekend, so it was hot. So my buddy and I. We have you know same situation you guys are talking about like you have to get up at 2 a.m. to leave for this tournament um, because ours started early as well. So we drove out the night before and got a little practice in because we live far away. Uh, so we're sleeping, we're in the parking lot, up the ramp, and we're both sleeping in the back seat. We just slap down comforters and just like roll the windows down and just <laughs> just threw a pillow in there and like feet out the window because like we're too tall to like lay perfectly. Your feet but,
0: were out the window, dude.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like kick back, relax it was honestly amazing because like if we're up that stage where it's getting warm in new york but it's not buggy yet so like nice. you don't have to worry about mosquitoes or anything so it was actually really relaxing that's something that you don't have to deal with out there
0: or or you have to deal with like crazy as bugs. bugs out here dude there's like there's there's hardly any bugs and uh so i slept in my truck for the first time in a long time at our anglers happy hour get together just hasn't happened for me in a while um, but dude, it, it, and for, so I've done it twice in a year now when I hadn't done it in 10 years, I did it this past weekend too. My wife and I went up to, uh, to Roosevelt Lake and, uh, my parents watched the kids. We fished Friday evening, camped up there Friday and, uh, the next, uh, and fished Saturday morning, but, uh, we slept in the, in the, um, camper shell. I've got like, I've got one of those ARE, uh, pullout deals in, yeah. in the, in the bed of the truck so it's like a carpeted flat bottom in the shell in the bed of the truck um so she's all excited like she wants she's excited to go camping and stuff like that and uh i guess i didn't communicate well enough that it was you know it it was going to be warm when it was time to go to sleep obviously we're here in arizona so the the camper shell went back window was open she expected it to be closed and oh, gosh. Uh, dude, the arguments uh, before bedtime about bugs coming—like it would—I I, was—I was like, "Hey, listen, there's no bugs. We're in Arizona. Nothing's gonna fly into your mouth when you're sleeping." But it was back and forth, back and forth, for a little while. Finally, she just she fell asleep, and it was fine. It was all good. Nothing crawled into her mouth when she was sleeping. But she didn't know we were gonna have the back window open while we while we slept.
1: Dude, That's after hilarious. the stories you guys have told in this show about scorpions and such down there, I, I've told you this, Josh, multiple times, that I'm petrified by those things. I'm petrified of bugs. And j- I hate, I'm not a bug guy. So I would be afraid too. That's all be on my mind when I'm down in your guys' place is like scorpions. I'll be looking all over the place. Have, have you ever been stung, Rob?
2: No, I haven't. Nope. That's good. See, I'm but I'm afraid just the unlucky
1: all. guy. I'm just the unlucky guy where I'll show up and that'll be the first 10 minutes.
2: How about you, Josh? Have you been stung?
1: No, I had one crawl I had one
0: crawl across the back of my hand earlier this year. Did I tell you that yeah i was i was uh my kids had like a a blow up bouncy house and uh it had deflated you know so it was had all these creases in it and stuff in the backyard and I was sitting there blowing it up in the middle of the day like last summer and uh, I'm sitting there with the pump and just waiting, waiting, waiting. And I feel something crawl across the back of my hand and it was a scorpion. And, uh, I made a sound that I could never even duplicate if I, (laughs) unless I had another scorpion on my hand, you know, but I I didn't (laughs) get stung luckily.
2: Yeah. It's not (laughs) as bad as you think, Bailey. They're not crawling everywhere and yeah, it's,
0: they wouldn't kill you anyways, right? Like, no. I mean, you get stung and it hurts, but I mean, if you're, if you're an adult, they're just, it's just going to hurt. It's like getting stung by a bee, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, have you been to Arizona, Bailey?
1: Never. No, no. I have not.
2: You need yeah, to come that's... out in the middle of the summer and go fishing with us one of these days.
1: I'm so game. I'm so game for that. I mean, yeah. we just, after the stories you guys have told of one, just the bass fishing, but two, the striper fish you guys get with the top water. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun.
0: I yep, think you'd enjoy be... it just because it's a lot different. We'll uh, we'll all chip in and we'll fly you out here, dude. So we it, we we need to do it in the next twelve months for sure. Yep. It, it, Rob, oh. you're saying the middle of summer. It's good fishing, but I'm just kind of being
2: the... a I'm kind of being a smart ass with that just because <laughs> I want to experience the heat a little bit. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I am like
1: so anti heat. It's not even funny. Like you know, a few days in Alabama, it was in the 80s, and I was so ready to go back to 40 degrees in Buffalo and now that it's hot in Buffalo. I'm like, you can ask my fiance. I just get a little bit more crankier when it gets hot. I'm just, I'm just such a winter boy. It's not even funny.
2: (laughs) You guys just went from cold to hot overnight, huh?
1: Yeah. We don't have a spring. It doesn't exist anymore.
2: (laughs) So what's the, what's your fishing looking like there now?
1: They're on beds now. Okay. Yeah. We're not talking about,
0: we're talking about everything, but Kayuga, sorry to get that out there, but that's what we're talking about. about Yeah.
1: yeah. (laughs) No, we're not talking specifics. Um, uh, just like the whole state in general, the great lakes are, they're about to be on bed if not already. Um, but it's, yeah, it's across the whole state.
2: Yeah, that's I've amazing how, y- how quick they go from, I mean, you were cold. What two yeah. weeks ago?
1: Yeah. 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 Two weeks ago we still had high 40 water temps.
2: Yeah. That's wow. insane. I mean, you
1: know, you'll find like certain parts of the state, like, you know, the swampier parts will, will spawn first, but of course, like, it's just how it works shallower gets warmer faster, but um, the bigger bodies of water they're starting to go now. So
0: what's the coldest yeah. water you've seen the smalllies spawn in, Bailey?
1: Um for talking just you know not not Great Lakes, because the Great Lakes Smallies they'll go pretty early. Um and I don't have a lot of experience with them, but I know a couple of ways at least in the Great Lakes, that have seen them like real deep pretty early in the season. Um, but just from personal experience on the lakes that are around me, uh, I've seen them in like 47, 48. Seeing some up there. That's crazy.
0: That's incredible. Like, like, how about a good wave of fish, though? Yeah, how about a good, good wave, wave like fish? 52, 53. Wow. Yeah. So those northern fish are just living on a different program.
1: Yeah, I mean, some of our smallmouth, like, they're really weird. Like, they will spawn for a long time. Like, They'll be up late, like, at least males. You know, the females won't be up there for as long. But like you have, you can find males on a bed for two weeks at a time. Mm, wow. The same spot. Yeah, that's weird. That's pretty that's interesting. interesting.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I've found that smallies and spots do tend to stick around a little longer than largemouth, as a general rule. And I don't have specifics, but as a rule, I just feel like that's a scenario.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have lakes here that like for largemouth, like you. If you don't find them in the two days, you're not going to see them on bed at all. Like, they they get up, they do their business, and they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. If you, like, if you don't fish for a week during the spawn, like, sometimes you'll just miss it. Post-spawn instantly. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, like, skinny as heck and, you know, (laughs) sitting shallow and not eating anything. (laughs) Like, it's just, like, that tough transition period where they're coming off the bed and they won't touch anything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's a pre-spawn funk and a post-spawn funk. And there's also a spawning funk. It sounds like we've got lots of excuses as fishermen.
1: Yeah, our our past tournament this uh, this past Saturday, uh, it was in the phase of all the smallmouth around beds, while well, the largemouth were in that like pre-spawn funk where they're up shallow and they want to like get it on, but they're not right there yet, so they won't touch anything. Like the point where if you lightly lay a, a wacky rig ten feet in front of them, they'll skirt twenty feet the other direction, wow. like that. Yeah. So that was really frustrating because one, I hate spawn tournaments and two, not being able to figure out those large mouths. I saw, I saw,
0: I did. I saw your post and I, and you said that you hate spawning tournaments, which I agree with your sentiment there, but uh, you also did pretty well, man. So good job on uh, having a good tournament when it, it's not your favorite thing to do.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it was just one where it's like, I mean, they're small mouth. They're pretty stupid. So it's, it's you know, you just cover enough water. You'll run into enough bigger ones, but, at the same point in time, you know the random jabroni with a wacky rig who doesn't know what he's doing has the same shot at catching big fish as you do because they're up shallow and it's smallmouth on a bed, so they're not exactly intelligent. That's true. Very
2: good. So, are are all your tournaments in a kayak for the most part, or do you fish other tournaments in a boat?
1: Yeah, pretty much everything's from a kayak unless uh, a buddy of mine uh, would do like team tournaments, but that's about it.
2: What's your, what's your kayak setup? I know you have a pretty elaborate, uh, setup, So what, what do you got going there?
1: Uh, so I mean, fully rigged out. Uh, I mean, there's, a, it's kind of like a big list to go through everything, but like, just to keep it broad, it's a Hobie pro Angler 12, 360. Uh, so it's 12 foot kayak. Um, and I have a Helix nine, a Helix 10, and depending on what I'm doing that day, I'll have either 360 or live.
2: That's awesome.
1: So it's the technology. You no. Sh- you have the ability yeah.
2: to do both. Wow.
1: Yeah, I have I have a network hub in the hall that I can run both if I want to. But it really slows you down when you have both those transducers in the water, and you're already going max. Oh, really? Like, four and a half miles an hour without them, anyways. So you're not speeding. Isn't exactly on your side in the kayak.
2: So. Um, what are the odds of your kayak going over i always hear you'll see posts guys no chance i mean
1: i hate when i ask this question because i always have to knock because it hasn't happened to me yet and i don't want to say it out loud yep uh but i've never had an issue with that i mean these kayaks are so stable except for the especially the ones hobie makes they're so wide that like you can you can walk around on them i mean people walk to the front like the very front above the storage hatch and they walk to the back of their kayak like they're made so stable these days that it takes like a, like big waves and just, you know, freak things to kind of happen for you to really go over or maybe it's just an experience, but very rarely do you ever go in.
2: Are you kayaking in lakes with wakeboarders or wake surfers and that type of stuff? And that's gotta be a challenge at times, right?
1: Yeah. So like some of the smaller lakes that I really like to hit around here are some of the more popular, you know, pleasure boater lakes. And if I go out, if I have to go out during the day, it's more like I'm going to go out the first couple hours or like maybe later in the evening. But uh, like, unless it's a, a tournament, a lot of like the late summer stuff when it's really popular for pleasure boaters and I can't, it's not a big enough lake to get away from. I'll go at night because I don't just gotcha. completely avoid them just for that reason. Because they won, they don't care that you're there and it's just a safety thing. And yep. I just don't want to have a run-in with the wrong person and get an altercation because I probably wouldn't hold my tongue so
2: yeah, yeah I'm si- I'm similar to that too <laughs> I have to watch what I say to them
1: yes yeah, in the summer if I'm fishing today I try to go after the bigger bodies of water yeah pending the wind and such but um, just to avoid that yeah. specific
0: reason that's smart yeah so is do you have an electric motor on it or are you motorized
1: by foot yeah. It's a, it's a pedal kayak. Okay. Uh, I don't have a motor yet. I have one on the way. Okay. Um, so in some trails you can fish with it, some you can't, but just from a, a standpoint of me, you know, like the days of, cause I'll, I'll go out without rods or anything to go out and just specifically graph. And those days putting on 25 miles is exhausting, <laughs> especially when you're trying to do it multiple days in a week. Uh, so, so there's some days where I'm just like, a motor would be really nice. So I have pulled the trigger on that. So we have them on the way. Interesting. So
0: dude, I mean, yeah. that's a huge factor. And I guess, our, so there are tournament trails that don't allow motors then.
1: Yeah, so like the, the three major ones right now, there's the OEBOS, which is kind of like your best of the best, they do not allow it. So it's pedal, paddle and that's it. Uh, and then you have bass and then you have KBF kayak bass fishing. And they, they do allow motors.
0: Okay. So, I mean, dude, it's a big advantage. You're a young guy. You're in good shape. It's a big advantage to be able to uh, get out there and get after it and, uh, and, and be in good shape and have some stamina then, huh? I mean, you could probably yeah. get to some fish that some folks might not be able to. Is that something that you do?
1: Yeah. So that was something I didn't even realize was an advantage until, like, I was talking to a few guys uh, after you follow that launched the same ramp that I did was my, my area was two miles back. Not, and to me, like two miles doesn't feel like a lot. Um, but th- I shared the area with the guy that was leading that tournament day one. Him and I are about the same age. Right, like young and we can, you know, get around, we'll put on the miles we're not afraid to. Uh, but there's a few guys and it's no disrespect to them because a few the guys, who they were, you know, former military and had injuries. And they're, they fish a lot of the bass or KVF so they can use motors. And they were just hopping in this Hobie event because it was local to them, but they couldn't go that, that distance from a paddle or a pedal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, it was kind of an advantage of having that area to ourselves because people couldn't make it back.
0: Does anyone use a, a paddle? Like, like a, how many guys use a paddle? Cause to me, obviously not knowing a ton about it. it seems like that'd be a huge disadvantage having to maneuver your boat with a paddle over a pedal.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's situational based but i would say 99 percent of anglers that you find on the national level are all pedal uh, pedal or motor uh, but there are certain guys like guys that if you're fishing a river event you'll find a lot more paddles just because when you're in that shallow of water it just makes it a lot easier because your pedals will hit ground and it just becomes Interesting. more of a pain but yeah. like a good buddy of mine jerry gregory is one of the biggest pioneers in kayak fishing he'll find that the like the creeks go he'll, he'll go farther than any human possible in a kayak. Uh-huh. he prefers paddle over pedal and he's he's winning tournaments. He won a tournament on Grand Lake in a paddle kayak. So it's so it's just it kind so of situational this
0: So you, like there's guys that might have both and just utilize yeah. one at a certain body of water.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's guys that'll have a pedal kayak and what they'll do is they'll have a paddle with them and they'll go way up a creek, you know, they use the pedals to keep their speed, that way they're not having to paddle. Say they pedal two miles. And then have to go up the creek so they take the pedals out of the kayak put their fins up you know like their rudders and then they'll paddle the rest of the way
0: so there's kind of a strategy, cool. strategy to it yeah that's very cool
1: um
0: so and then as far as like uh, most this, so and, and by the way uh, folks bailey behind him has got a trophy he won the most recent hobie bos tournament at lake eufaula uh ten thousand five hundred dollars and i want to go into that man um here in a minute but I, real quick i just kind of want to get the groundwork laid on how these tournaments how they work um so it, it goes by inches right you guys mm-hmm. are measuring the fish do you have to take a photo of every fish
1: not every fish i mean like if you have your five um and like you don't have like a cul fish you don't have to take a picture of them um, oh okay but phot- every fish yeah. that
0: you're counting potentially has to be photographed
1: yeah so like uh, they're all like 12 inch minimums, you know, per state rule, or whatever. Right. So it's those, those rules still do apply. Um, but I mean, we, there's certain rules that we can get away with being that we're catching release. So like it, some state trails have different rules. Like some are eight, eight inch minimums for such, you, you can be a little bit more flexible, but for the Hobie BOS series, it's 12 inch minimum. And for kayak terms in general, it's your longest five fish for the day. Okay. Yeah.
0: And you can fish slot lakes too, which is pretty cool. You got like fork. You could. I mean, there's, there's. It it does probably allow you guys to fish some unique bodies of water.
1: Yeah, it opens it up to a lot of possibilities, and that's one thing. You know, like we're talking about, Drew Gregory has been pushing for is taking these big kayak trails to lakes that you don't hear about that we can access and have a tournament from. You know, and put some publicity around, so we're not going to the same lakes. And that's like one of the conversations that we have as a you know a, a kayak community is. You know is there going to be a boat tournament on this lake during this time because one you know if i'm in a boat tournament with a buddy last thing i want to do is deal with because naturally a kayak tournament they usually launch before the boat tournament in most cases they do it on purpose so that we can beat you guys to spots for like
0: yeah there
1: you go so like i see both sides of it so it's like why try to get in the way? I mean, obviously, you can't – with so many tournaments now, you can't schedule around each other. Of so course. it's nearly impossible. So why don't we try going to go into lakes that don't have, you know, the reputation of being this massive tournament lake and put some exposure to that place. And it'll probably be a lot of fun for people because it's new bodies of water. You're not going to the same lakes every year. No doubt. So it's, it opens that up. But then again, politics come into play and money. So,
0: Has there been one yet that, that you guys fished that – you know, was, was really good and we've never heard of.
1: Yeah, there's been a few. Um, and, and from talking about the, you know, the national trails, I'm, I'm very new to it. Like this, uh, past Hobie BOS is only my fourth national scale tournament ever It was my second Hobie BOS that I fished. Uh, but, but recently the past couple of years, they've gone to a couple of lakes that I was very jealous being from New York and watching them fish. Uh, they've gone to some like lakes that you don't hear about in Texas uh, some lakes in like Mississippi. Uh, and I really can't like spit them out verbatim right now sure, off the top sure. of my head, but like you get some places get put on the map because of these places going there. Like we're going to. I mean, you guys probably heard of it, but I don't know if there's any big bass tournaments that go there. But cattle Lake in Louisiana is a very nice. popular spot cool. for kayak tournaments to go to. Um, one that's not like that actually has a lot of local tournaments run into it. But Possum Kingdom, where Bass had their kayak classic, was that, I, that was my first ever national-scale tournament. That place was freaking awesome. And it could nice. easily hold – like, for the BPT, it could easily host 40 anglers a day. Like, that would be a pretty cool place for you guys to go to. But then, again, I understand talents having to pay and all that stuff. But, like, it's – there's some places that get put on the map, but I think they just need to do more of it.
0: So, you know, uh, the guy – I think he finished second, Joe Mack. Do you know Joe um, at Possum Kingdom? His last name is McElroy.
1: Um, oh yeah yeah
0: so he was uh telling joe's like a buddy of mine um i don't talk to him all the time but i've known him for a long time great guy and uh yeah he was i think he finished second and he was telling me what he caught giants and uh, i didn't believe him because he's kind of a jokester so i literally was he was telling me (laughs) what he caught (laughs) in the expo and i was like dude no you didn't yeah that's funny joe right on that's cool bro and literally kind of ended the conversation. Like I was like, yeah, I was whatever, you know? And then I found out he really did catch all yeah. the big fish that he caught. So obviously you guys crushed him at that, at that place. And that's a place. Yeah. Most people have not heard of for sure.
1: Yeah. And it's one thing they're the, that, um, what they're trying to do now, like with tourney X, the apps that we use to have these tournaments, one thing they're talking about doing, and I, I think they've actually, I think they've applied it, um, is, to relate it, so like when we have conversations, so say Josh, I'm a kayak angler, you're a boat angler, and you're not used to hearing inches, right? So like you meet me at the ramp, say we don't know each other, and you're like, oh, how'd you do today? And I'd be like, oh, I had 82 inches. You're going to look at me like, what? Like you don't have no idea what I'm talking about. But what they do is, so, so more guys starting to pay attention to this term X, uh, is you can start seeing like, hey, this guy has, you know, 96 inches, he has 22 pounds. But they do like an average weight, you know, it's not completely calculated, but sure. Yeah. yeah. So okay. they try to kind of give a realm to help people understand. That's the one thing people are trying to do is, and what's one thing I try to always include too is like, especially who I'm talking to, is like, know who to tell inches. But if I say, hey, I had 96 inches, but I also had, you know, 18 pounds, yeah. you know. All right, dude.
0: That. So let's bring in and UFALA. So that tournament that you just won at UFALA, how many inches did you have and how many pounds was that roughly?
1: Yeah, so day one, I had 86 and three quarter inches, but my fish were pretty skinny. So I think I had, I mean, this is more, I guess, I only weighed way. one fish, yeah, Okay. the whole weekend. Uh, I probably yeah. had about 12, 12 and a half pounds, okay. uh, which I did learn. There was a local tournament out there that day, it was like 80 boats, and it took nine and a half pounds to win. Wow. Holy yeah. cow, dude. So that was a mental win for me, oh, <laughs> me that's huge. Able to do that. Um, but so day two, I had 85 and three quarters and I think I had 15 and a half to 16 pounds.
0: Better just more solid fish.
1: Yeah. They were a little bit, they, they, it was interesting because it was, I mean, we can go into the, into it a little bit, but like, I just had bigger fish show up and it seemed like, cause the water was receding so more fish congregated and it's just, I, I've caught a lot more fish on day two, but. It seemed like there was also some pre-spawners mixed in there. It was really weird, which the day prior it seemed like I was in I was in post-spawners. Did you fish? on so upper
0: not... lake or lower lake?
1: How do you fall? Yeah. Yep. So I was way up the river. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, were
2: but, Were you in water that was less accessible by the by boats? That was only. Accessible? It was a little bit
1: harder to get to. Yeah. Uh, cause there's a little bit, tre- like it gets pretty shallow. Like it comes up on a flat, it's pretty shallow and then dips back down a little bit, but like max depth is probably five foot back there. Um, but I just had bigger fish show up on day two. Like, um, I say that my first three fish were 13 inches. So it wasn't, it was like, I, I was a confidence boost. I was going to get a limit cause the limit went a long way in that tournament. Yeah. Uh, but then my fourth fish was an 18 and a half, about four pounds and then my fifth fish was 15 and a half so maybe two pounds but then right after that i caught a six and a half pounder which was 21 and three quarters so that really kind of helped the weight go up yeah so So you guys
2: you guys can launch anywhere or how does that work
1: anywhere that's public
2: okay
0: do they send you a list before you know to make to keep it really uh level like or, or is there is there any issue with that? Do they say, look, these are the ten public land uh, ramps on this lake, or is it kind of up to you to figure out what's public and what's not?
1: Yeah, so they really leave it up to the to the angler. Um, and there's, I mean, it's there's a lot of it. I shouldn't say a lot of it. There is some honor code, you know, the trust system yep. that is involved in it. But um, you know, what they do is if there is a boundary, you know, like. A lake like you follow they set boundaries of how far up the river you can go or how far into the creek you can go in terms of like where you can launch okay um so let's say last launch is you know highway 39 bridge or whatever where you can like pull off the side and sneak your kayak down type of deal um, just because they don't want you going 100 miles out west type of deal like they want to keep it somewhat within the confines of a lake but um uh, they you can do that, but majority of the time, like if there's like a private marina or something like that, um, that, or like, so here's, a, here's a good example. If, you have, if you're staying on a campground and you have a spot on the water, you're not allowed to launch from that campground or from your campsite. Because the majority say there's like, you're on the tip of a point on a campsite and back in that creek is the public launch and all your anglers are launching from there and you launch from your campsite. That's an advantage because you're getting a head start, say if you go to fish the main lake. So they tell you that's illegal. I mean, really what would happen is your angles will probably see you watch from your campsite and they blow you in.
0: Oh, sure. Okay. But so it, a lot of it is trust though. So. Okay. Right on Hey, That's cool. Yeah. It's uh it makes a lot of sense. So you guys all you're in the water and then you have basically like a blast off, right? And it's it's like, okay, seven o'clock, everyone goes at once.
1: Yeah, so like Say, so for you follow what we did, I'm trying to remember what the times were exactly, but I think it was like 545, you could launch and then first cast was 630. So again, you know, trust system, like if you're not around anybody, you know, you're not casting before 630.
0: Yeah, so so it's first, dude, I see so many similarities to what we do at MLF, especially when we have to use the trailering policy because it's a similar deal, any public ramp, you know, And typically they like to try to go out of one place for a multitude of reasons. And I get it, but when it's just too windy, they do the trailering policy and any public Mm -hmm. ramp um, there'll be a blast off time, but same thing lines in time. And uh, it's, it's real similar to that. And then when you guys wrap up, do you have to, do you have to come back to any rendezvous point or like you're, you're done. And then, you know, maybe the guys that do well are going to go back and the guys that don't do well, are just going to bounce. Is that how it works?
1: Yeah. So what they do is, uh, you know, for the day two is the guys that are in the top 20, the anglers in the top 20, they'll send you a text and say, Hey, you're in the top 20, please report to awards for the show and to get your check. Okay. That type of deal. Okay.
0: And you, um, so you don't know what each other have when you're on the water with attorney no. X,
1: but now so they, okay. yeah, they, on the final day, they turn the standings off at like an hour or two hours beforehand to try to build some suspense up. Interesting. Yeah. Which that's a whole thing like for me that was actually something I was kind of proud of because for the longest time, you know, past five years fishing kayak tournaments, I had never looked at standings because I know I'm a head case and if I'm losing, it'll make me fish faster and it'll screw me up. Cause I, I learned that quickly with with looking at standings. So I never looked at it. I'll let like it was kind of a more of a fun surprise if I had a good yeah. day of going to awards and be like, Hey, did I actually win? Like I have a good feeling. But even
0: after you wouldn't even look at it.
1: No, on the well, drive they'd over, <laughs> they'd be turned off. They'd be turned off, so I couldn't look at it. So you wouldn't know until okay. you got yeah, to. Yeah, it yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. But what I did on day one, you follow, because I knew a limit would go a long way, was I caught my limit and then would check the standings to see do I need to catch any more fish because I don't That's want smart. to harm the area. Yeah, in that case yeah. it helped. Yeah. Yeah. So I just saw I was in contention at like 10 a.m. And I just left and fished all new water and just kept checking it to make sure I was still in contention and didn't bother pounding the area again. But Sunday, the final day, I didn't check it at all because I knew if I checked it and say I was in the lead or in second, I was going to like, it was going to get to my head and make me fish different. So I let day two be a surprise. And the term director decided to play some games with me at awards and make me think I lost. Oh, it sucks. (laughs)
2: That's dirty.
1: Yeah. Well, so it's it's funny. The guy that was in second round champion leaned over next to me when it was just me and him up there on stage, and he's like, "like Would I scare you if I told you I had two big calls at the in the last hour when oh. stages were off?" And I laughed. I was like, "Oh, I I genuinely thought he won." So I was like congratulating him, and then yeah, the tournament director teased me a little bit, but that's rough. It was good. Yeah.
2: How how important is cell service? What if you're in an area that doesn't have cell service? That that would be a big factor out here.
1: It is, it is a big factor in, so it's not, as long as you can take your pictures, uh, when you take a picture, one has to have your know, location services on because it proves that you're not like, you know, jumping across the street to go fish the pond type of deal and take, you know, cheating, but but it also timestamps it too. So like going back to first cast, you can't catch a fish, you know, timestamp at 6.28 AM because they'll obviously catch you, you know, that, you know, you didn't catch that fish in the time, like of the tournament. Um, but when in terms of look like, uh, no service, they have a time window. So say your tournament ends at two thirty, you have until three thirty to submit your photos, giving you time to go back to the ramp and then either drive or go to new water that has cell service. Does that make sense?
2: That could be a stressful moment, huh?
1: It can be. Yeah. Cause yeah. I didn't have service back where I was. So I would, I would have pockets where I'd find, I could tell, it was kind of, it was actually kind of funny. So like on day two, I wouldn't submit my fish. Well, I submitted one fish that I had service of because I wanted to make sure my fish were getting accepted and I wasn't screwing up a process or figuring out like I did something wrong. So once I knew one was accepted, I didn't submit any fish, took my pictures, but I kept fishing because I was fishing a shad spawn. I didn't want to waste any time. Yeah, And what I could I could tell throughout the day, like when I hit a pocket of service, because I put my phone down in my storage hatch and I have it on vibrate. and My kayak would vibrate every time I get text, so I could tell when I'm in cell service, and then I'd submit once my phone was going off Because like on day two, I was going up to standings, and all the my buddies from New York were found along and like posted in Facebook groups, and people calling me, and I felt bad at one point because the camera guy for the trail had called me, and it came up as like. An unknown number from Florida, and he kept calling me. And I, in the third call, I took my phone out of the hatch, and I purposely ended the call early to, like, you know, when you like tell someone, like, I'm not going to answer you, so I'm going to end this early. Oh I mean, yeah, yeah. I did that, and then I get, I get a voicemail that says, "Hey, this is Steve Fields. You know, we're trying to take photos of you. You know, can you send us a pin of your location?" I kind of felt bad that I hung <laughs> up on the guy, but yeah, there's a lot of factors in, in kayak tournaments. There really is. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's another world, but, uh,
0: obviously it's still fishing and it's, uh, mm-hmm. there's more similarities than the differences I'm sure. Um, Rob, do you have any other questions on that before I start asking them about like the way it makes a living in fishing? It's pretty cool. No, go ahead. Okay. Awesome. Let's yeah. So Bailey, that. you've also been able to, I mean, how old are you, Bailey? If you don't mind me asking. I'm 24. 24. So dude, you've accomplished a lot already. Um, you've been hosting your podcast for how long?
1: it's about two and a half years now.
0: Okay. Awesome. And, um, yeah, you're making a living in the fishing industry as well. So like, can you talk about, um, I mean, what that feels like, what, what it's like for you. And I guess, tell the folks what, uh, what you do at gunpowder
1: as well. Yeah. So it, it started out, I got my bachelor's and master's degree in sport management and thought that okay. I was going to live in the sport industry. And I had this crazy idea that I was going to live uh, work in sports, but also have the free time to fish, which I learned very quickly. That was never going to be the case. Um, I, i so starting with the podcast, I had gotten an internship, uh, for six months working at the university of Notre Dame at their, in their athletic department and quickly learned with 90 hour weeks as an intern that I was having zero time to fish. So decided to you know, spend my nights away from home. I'm going to at least to still, cause I'm, I'll, I'm all about learning fishing. Like I, I think I've told you this before, Josh, I never want to, you know, fish professionally, but I'm, as I'm competitive in you know, kayak tournaments, but I'm more competitive, just learning. Like I want to learn as much as I can. And cause that's one thing that's cool, fast fishing. You're never going to know everything. Uh, so the only way for me to learn without fishing was to talk fishing. So I was, and I was listening to pot. I was like a Joe Rogan nut at the time. Nice. So like, I was like, I'll start a podcast. So my buddy was pushing me to do it and helped me start it and start off with like, just, you know, zoom calls. And it was just like posting stuff at random times. It made no sense at the time, but I was doing it. And I like what it. we do. No, this is way more structured than what I had going on. I promise you. <laughs> it was, mine was really, really bad. Um, but that's kind of how that started in terms of getting my foot in the door of the industry. Cause I started making connections. And started doing some social media freelancing, got my first and well after the internship was over at Notre Dame, I realized I do not want to be in athletics anymore. So I wanted to pursue the outdoor industry and see what's out there and quickly learned that it's very difficult to get into the outdoor industry from a professional standpoint. Um, but got a, a job uh here in New York with Douglas Rods, the local company in Syracuse and worked for, for a whopping three months before everyone got laid off because of COVID. Um, and then because it was so brutal to try to get a job, I just started to, you know, my dad told me, gave me the wise words to just bet on yourself, start your own like freelance social media and, you know, you know, go full time with like trying to grow your podcast he was like, use like as a time, you know, you're living at home, you don't have to pay for food and everything, you know, you get student loans, but that's about, well, I didn't have student loans because I actually put that on hold because of COVID. I had no expenses. All I did was fish. All I did did was fish, do podcasts, and start this freelance business. And that really kind of helped me give us somewhat of a boost of a resume in terms of, like, in the outdoor industry. Uh, And then was just browsing through jobs and came across this job as a public relations uh, account manager at Gunpowder, And I had known nothing about what PR meant. But I saw Gunpowder and looked at the people they work with, and I was like, this looks pretty cool. I probably will never get a call for this job, but it doesn't hurt to apply. So I applied and got a call from my now boss and been working you know, full-time for over a year in PR. Uh, and it's been an absolute riot because my goal, you know, from ending that internship, it was I just want to make my life surrounding fishing. And I accomplished that because now I get to – you know work with you guys at pure fishing, you know work with you Josh at multiple events, you know being able to work with the guys over at and McCota. Like there's a, uh, my client base is all surrounding fishing and the people I get to work with are like the people that I've idolized and looked up to my whole life. Like I had to play it cool this past January at Bienville, you know being on Hank Parker's boat and oh, not yeah. like completely awesome. geek oh, out. Dude. Yeah. I like had to like take a deep breath when I got off his boat because I was like <laughs> holding it all excitement <laughs> as a little kid. Um, but it, it's, it's been super cool because I have that and I have the podcast and then, you know, the kayak fishing stuff and just like doing whatever I want to, in terms of like enjoyment, like, cause I'm, I don't have a career aspiration of trying to go pro. i like, I'm enjoying where I'm at and just kind of letting it ride before
0: maybe reality hits me that no dude it won't bro, it knows? won't no the reality is what it is and your passion shows dude and, and you know i I can, I can speak for both myself and rob we're both yep, super 100%. impressed with you bro like every yep. everything you've done along every step of the way has been uh super impressive and uh, it's it's been awesome getting to work with you a little bit uh on that side and uh, it's been cool getting on your uh show a couple times too rob's been on it as well mm-hmm. um and uh so you've been hosting it for for two and a half years, how many, and you've been every week, if not more than once a week, like how many episodes have you guys done on serious angler?
1: So I think, so tomorrow, uh, actually I'm missing this week's episode. I have to fly out to the plant this week, which that's one of the perks of that job is I'm traveling like two to three times a month. Uh, but so I, tomorrow's episode uh, Andy, my co-host, is running that, and it's going to be
0: episode three—or oh, gosh, not three, two eighty-seven. Wow! So we're coming up on three hundred. That's cool. Well, dude, hey, uh, at, you know, as we wrap this thing up, can you think of like maybe one, uh, one special guest or one special podcast that was really awesome that would be a, a, a great starting point? If, if there's a listener here that hasn't heard your podcast, is there one that you could recommend that would get someone hooked on your show?
1: Oh man, it's okay. So it's probably my favorite episode and it's more just selfishly because I've, he's like the, been my biggest idol, like in fishing, just growing up because I I'm infatuated with mental side because you always hear fishing's 10% mental 90, you know, or 90% mental, 10% actually fishing. Where (laughs) if you can master that, if you can master that 90%, that 10% becomes a lot easier. And Brandon politics, I finally had him on the show and he's one that I have like been inspired by in terms of how he approaches fishing mentally and one that I've learned a lot from. So I geeked out on that episode. Like it was all a, and that's when we got a lot of good feedback on just from that conversation. Um, I highly recommend they do not listen to anything that Josh Bertrand was on. There you go. Yeah, they've already heard it, bro. (laughs) They've already heard it. (laughs) Mm-hmm. No, there, there's a, a lot of really, really good ones. There really is an episode that I didn't like. So it's, but I'll say if there's one to start from, start at the VP episode. Cool.
0: That's good. Yeah. And Just we to need get to get Brandon it. on as well. But that, uh, I, I, I'm i going to go listen to it myself. That's cool. He's such a good guy. And uh, he does have such a, uh, he approaches things his own way. He doesn't do it like the next guy. And uh, that's why he's been able to win a lot of tournaments is he's, he's got such a unique approach. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, one of the things that really stuck with me that he actually put out recently that I'm really working on right now and actually stuck with me at Eufaula was, uh, like when I would make like a bad decision or lose fish, I'd get pretty negative in my head. Like if you guys couldn't tell throughout what I've been saying in this episode, I, can, I had case sometimes. So like when I what, one of his episodes he said, I think it was St. John's River where he said, you either win or you learn, like there is no lose. When I had that mindset and kind of grasped the, the gravity of it, uh, that kind of really helped. Where it's like, if you screw up, sure, you might be annoyed with yourself, but like, look at it, you know, fix it and use it as a learning lesson versus looking at it as a defeat.
2: So yeah, that's that was kind of something that was really that's really cool. That's huge. I like yeah. that. It's a great yeah.
0: phrase. I like that too. That's cool.
1: Yeah. yeah it's just stuff hey. like that. That I like without the podcast, I mean, I think it's helped me in waves just from an angler standpoint, you know, without it, I, I mean, I suck now, but I probably suck way no, more. Yeah. yeah you, without yeah, that podcast.
0: That's <laughs> that trophy behind you. I don't think so, bro, but uh, that's, that's really cool. And I guess, yeah, it has opened up a lot of doors to have those deep conversations that um, most people don't get to have with, uh, with yeah. so many different people. You know, it's, it's, it's really cool. 200 plus times you've, you've sat down and, and, and like, as you would say, geeked out on fishing with all these different people and uh, man, if you could pick one thing up from every one of those episodes and same for the listeners, right. And the listeners that listen to all these podcasts. Um, uh, if you pick up one thing from each one, man, that's quite the, uh, you know, encyclopedia that you're building up there.
1: Oh yeah. And, and really, I don't think I've would had my full-time job right now if i would never started the podcast, because I think that was one of the biggest reasons they brought me on was just From connection, like who I knew personally in the industry, knowing just the industry itself from a fishing standpoint, because I had no PR experience. I got brought into the fire and my boss, uh, Josh Ward and Jen Rip will give them all the credit. They taught me PR like from the ground up so that like without the podcast, I don't think I'd be here. So that's what's pretty cool about it.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it helped. I'm definitely sure it helped. So uh, mm-hmm. pretty cool, man. I'm stoked to see what uh, what's ahead in the future, man, for sure. Um, so, Rob, do you have anything else before we let him go? I know it's late and now I know he's traveling tomorrow. So, uh,
2: Nothing really other than maybe real quick talk about your co-host, uh, Andy and Adam, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Just talk about them real quick. Tell us how you met and how it all came together in the beginning.
1: Yeah, so Andy and I have known each other for probably four or five years. He grew up, he's born and raised in Buffalo. He is a full-time smallmouth guy out on Erie in Ontario right now. Um, He actually just recently did that. He's been doing it for almost a year. Um, And him and I, I had him on a show uh, pretty early on. And it wasn't until we were getting up to episode 100 that Episode 100 I wanted to do my first ever live show because the YouTube started growing a little bit. I thought it'd be kind of fun to do some like live interaction type of deal. And I was like, man, I really want to be talking to myself. So I just messaged Andy and I was like, Hey dude, you want to come co-host with me for this show? Or whatever. He's like, yeah, I think I'm free. Why not? And he goes, we'll just, you know, we'll see how it goes. And after Episode 100 people loved it. And it was really good conversation flow. We worked really well together. Uh, so I just like, just kind of randomly just threw it out there. I was like, hey, dude, you want to be a ghost? Do you want to come on more of these shows and, you know, kind of team up here? And ever since then, Andy and I have been going strong and he's like my best friend, you know, we'll be in my wedding and all that Great. jazz. And uh, yeah, and along the way, got a message from this guy, Adam Deacon, from who runs business from the Boat podcast. Uh, really early on, wanted me to get on his show to talk about the podcast. And we hit it off there and Adam, Adam and I stayed in touch you know, we meet up at like classics or I cast that type of deal. And then we, you know, chat and uh, one thing went to another after he helped out with a bunch of fantasy fishing shows that we do on YouTube. And he, yeah, uh, one show just really, it, it hit me and it connected that it'd be really cool. Cause like I'm fresh to the industry and he has all these industry folks on it. Whereas like the business side talk is not something I'm good at. Like, I'm all, cause I'm so gung ho at like the fishing stuff. That's all I want to talk about.
2: Well, the, the important business. stuff. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> well, his stuff's, it's like, you know, he's getting on like, you know, marketing directors from like Toyota, like, you know, people that like dynamic sponsorships, like stuff like that. They're getting out some pretty unique people in the industry that I don't know a lot about. So like even have the knowledge to interview them because you have to have some foundation of knowledge to even talk about that. I tell, I tell Uh, Deacon and Andrew straight up like some of that stuff I'm just completely stupid so I'm glad I have them Uh, and it just came up where I'm like I was talking to Andy I'm like dude we should see if Deacon wants to partner up here and add his segment to our old network and we just had conversations going and this past August you know we're coming up I guess we're coming up on a year having Deacon on the show and every Monday now is business from the bass boat segment where he has somebody on to you know talk business really cool and and that's a great yeah. show as well and, and
0: both of uh, both of those guys are awesome I, I know both as well they're both uh super fish heads and uh, really interesting to listen to so it's cool you guys all linked up and uh totally recommend our listeners to check out the uh, business from the bass boat as well um uh, but he, they'd find it still
1: on on your channel right yeah so it's just a segment on serious angler now so it's kind of like serious anglers like the network deal and so mondays are always business from the bass boat uh tuesday night is our live show on youtube but the mp3 is wednesday so mp3 wise you know we're monday wednesday friday and then thursday is a pre-recorded show where we'll either do just the hosts or we'll we'll get a friend on to talk like a specific technique or a a niche in fishing so it's kind of where live is more of you know let's just get an angler on learn about them have some fun type of deal wow
0: three a week that's pretty sweet
1: yeah, it's, it's kind of cool too. It's an interesting dynamic that wasn't on purpose by any means, but kind of morphed into itself was we have Andy who's this, you know, great like small mouth guy. Deacon who's from Colorado and, you know, travels fishing the Toyotas, wants to, you know, pursue that fishing life. And then there's me, the kayak angler and working in the industry. So we kind of cover all the bases. So it's a cool kind of combination of perspectives.
0: Yeah, really cool, man yeah that's awesome well yeah you guys have to check it out if you haven't already i'm sure tons of the listeners uh already do listen but uh yeah man it uh it's pretty awesome and uh and your passion for fishing is infectious for sure man we can we can all feel it so pretty cool dude yeah even after a long day of work and you're up till 10 o'clock talking fishing with us so we appreciate it big time yeah
1: heck yeah anytime i I, like i was telling you this is my time to like finally breathe today (laughs) and talk fishing so i enjoyed it i could probably stay up until my flight tomorrow morning to talk fishing if you really wanted to but i appreciate you boys uh inviting me it's, it's been a pleasure
0: yeah hey and last thing dude i know you're a sabers fan but are are you an well, anti-rangers
1: no, no. i'm anti-sabers come on now oh well <laughs> dude you were at last time I, I talked
0: i went on your podcast and you missed it be, because you were at a damn sabers game so yeah so
1: i was at a sabers game <laughs> but my fiance is a fan but i'm all about hockey like there's teams i like, Root against, but I'm all for going to an NHL game because I've been a hockey nut since I was a little kid. I hear that.
0: Any any NHL game would be awesome, but so are you Are you rooting for the Rangers now in, in the second uh, No, because the they just
1: beat my team. I'm a Penguins fan. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So I met Mario Lemieux when I was eight years old, and I was kind of hooked from there. Wow, that's cool. That's yeah, pretty amazing. Actually, I, so I played against his son, and it was kind of hard. He came in the locker room, talked to all of us, and he kind of made a, a room of Penguins fans.
0: No. Yeah, dude. Seriously. That's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. You're, uh, that is, uh, that's pretty
1: incredible, man. I'm jealous. Yeah. It, it's interesting at family parties because she's born and raised Buffalo. Our whole family is Bill Sabres fans and I'm the penguins slash Eagles fan. So it's a really weird. How venue. crazy.
0: Are you originally from
1: there? No. So i am grown up like born and raised Rochester. So it's a, it's a whole cluster. So yeah, really quick because really quick. I want you to give you the long spiel, but my dad growing up and I always throw him under the bus because he was a big bandwagoner for NFL teams. Like he's all over his Falcons, Colts. He's all over the place. When I was growing up, he liked the Eagles. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be a bandwagoner, but I like my dad's team. So yeah. I'm going to stick with the Eagles. And that was back when like Donovan McNabb was on the team. They went to the Super Bowl, lost the Patriots. And I've been riding that wave ever since, but I was also, you know, met Mario Lemieux but I was also watching Cindy Crosby before he was even on the Penguins when he was in juniors. Hmm. So I was a Penguins fan and quickly learned the position I put myself in from a fan standpoint. So when I'm at either games, I can't speak about another sport. I avoid football or hockey when I'm at vice versa. So it's it's interesting when people ask, I try not to tell them, but you know, here we are.
0: That's, hey, that's cool. (laughs) At least you've been able to enjoy a successful team because they have been a killer through the whole. Oh, really, for the last probably 30 years, the Lemieux era and the Crosby era. So, and it sounds like, unfortunately, that might be coming to an end here pretty soon. Yeah. But it's been yeah. pretty good for a while.
1: Yeah. At 24, I'm pretty spoiled with watching a yeah. team win three Stanley Cups and one Super Bowl. So, pretty cool. Yeah. Right on. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, sweet, man. We appreciate it big time and uh, stay in touch. Uh, safe travels tomorrow and we'll be following you, uh, you know, for the, uh, for, you know, they near future for sure, man. We appreciate it big time.
1: Yeah. Thanks for the invite, boys. It was fun. Awesome.
2: Yeah. Tom, thanks for coming you. on Bailey. Good talking to you.